Henley Business School's Africa Connect alumni platform was launched in November 2019, and the opening event brought together some of the school's most prominent students and graduates. We found comedian John Flismus and asked him, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, who would you take on as a business partner, who would you employ, and which one would you kill? So that's really easy. We all need to kill Elon Musk. I think he's the Antichrist. And his new cyber van can't even handle a hammer in the window. So that's the first thing. Um, then, no, hang on, hang on, that's wrong. Sorry. Yeah, I take that back. Let's kill Mark Zuckerberg. I think he's the Antichrist. That's the, because the Antichrist is mild, right? He presents in chinos. Then I would work for George Bezos because he knows what he's doing. Whatever he does, he keeps making it bigger. I would start a business with Elon Musk because it's just for people who want to try a business for a while. It'll be really sexy. You'll do cool shit. You'll land rockets. You'll blow up cars. And then, and then you, the next day, the company will be gone. So you don't have to go to work on there like Wednesday. This is Meet the Mind, the series that gives you insight into some of South Africa's most interesting thinkers. Brought to you by Henley Business School. Yes, indeed. So no pressure. We're going to meet the mind this morning. We're not just going to talk <laughs> nonsense with him. Is he going to change his mind, though? Yeah. Well, he did in that question. All right, but there's some unconventional thinking and there's some unconventional um, questions because business is not the way that it's always been. Yeah. Business has changed. Doing an MBA is not what it was once was. And a lot of people think an MBA, you know, they're dime a dozen and there's so many business schools that mm. offer them. I mean, you're not the, the obvious candidate for this. No. Despite no. the fact that you have been a very successful business owner and yeah. you've actually done quite a lot in business in terms of experience. Yeah, a lot, I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't have any training. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I mean, I realize that more and more as I meet people. They say, well, why are you doing this? Why don't you just go and carry on doing business? I don't think it's about that. I, I don't think it's particularly an MBA. It's, it's learning. It's just learning, like l learning how to learn. And, and uh, so the MBA is quite a good one because you, you do a lot of different subject matter in a very short space of time. So you have to, it's a very concentrated for someone who barely got out of high school, how to prepare assignments and like do actual referencing and then realizing when you go to Briars in this country, how incredibly uh, unqualified most people are. Like most opinions are rubbish. <laughs> and, and we realized this morning there was a story Leanne was telling me about this art show at Art Basel in New York. Right. Where they, they sold a banana duct taped <laughs> to a piece of paper and it sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars to some French art collector. Now, right. Don't tell me that rich people are all clever or that you need to be very clever to get rich. Yeah. It's not true. 100%. I agree with you. I've met some very, very smart people who are doing run-of-the-mill stuff. Yeah. And I've met some hugely wealthy people who are not necessarily smarter than any of us in the studio except Google. Yeah. And oh. I, think, <laughs> I think wealth makes you generationally more stupid because you, if you inherit it, you, you just automatically assume a lot of things about the world and, and most of them are wrong. <laughs> so what, what, how did you get involved with Henley, just so we can be clear about so, this? So, I mean, ultimately, years and years and years ago, I went to a lunch, and, uh, like long ago, 10, 12 years, and, and the lunch was with John Foster Pedley. Who's right. now the dean of Henley, and and um, John and I just connected in a way that suddenly I found this kind of academic who wasn't an academic; he was an unacademic. Right. And he almost like I could watch him kind of watching me across the table as if like here's a project. <laughs> this guy like seems to be interested in learning, but not interested. Like it was the weirdest. Like I changed my mind, right? So so <laughs> so so he 
in a very subtle way got me interested in learning by just being very, very cool to me about like challenging me uh, on an academic basis. And it was a long-term project because he basically said, I want you to come to Cape Town and talk to my students at the GBS um, – MBA students who were doing stuff. So what happened then was one of the days, I didn't know this, but somebody in the audience, one of the students at one of my talks was doing an MBA and then would go on to do her PhD. And she now heads up the the school of um, sort of innovation and and, and, um, creativity for entrepreneurs at Henley. Wow. uh, Puleng, uh, uh, who's become a real, another mentor to me. And and we are diametrically opposed. I mean, she's a deeply charismatically religious woman. Mm -hmm. um, um, And I am not. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You're the other one. I don't want to like, I just don't identify as that, right? So, so... So, for now, for now, yeah, I could change. We don't know, and, and I'm, I may end up marrying Jeff Bezos. We don't know, and, and so and so and so. <laughs> As a deeply charismatic, do you know what I mean? Religious yeah. woman, I could bring him God, and so and so, and so uh, it just became this thing where. And, and what's happened over the years is, um, so I now not only study at Henny, but I'm teaching there, and um, it's amazing. So so it's become this kind of hub for. I almost want to say that there's a place for weirdos um, in the business world, and it's at Henley. There's not just a place. I think everybody in the business world is looking for weirdos. They're looking for – I mean, these buzzwords of creativity and and, and diversity of talent and – Skills and and street smarts and all of the you know right. people throw this lingo around. Yes, but in reality, there are very few who actually break the mold and are able to teach others. Yeah, very yeah. few. It's interesting yeah. to me too, just from the point of view that I mean, I've I've known you were smart long before you did an MBA, and I think a lot of people <laughs> know that because I've always regarded most comedians as being particularly smart people. They observe, they're right. very very sharp. They then translate their observations into real world commentary. Right. Which sometimes has a shelf life that's absolutely extraordinary. I mean, like it outlasts movies sure, that are sure. iconic and that kind of thing. But you and I have spoken about intelligence before because I think it's something that interests both of us. Yeah. How do you measure it? What are you actually looking for? What makes a person useful and intelligent? Yeah. And how much intelligence is about what you learn and how much of it is about how you learn. Yes. And this is what I'm curious about this morning and, and why we wanted to talk to you today especially. Because, mm. I mean, you know, it's never – I said we don't need an excuse to get you in here. (laughs) But when you watch some of the people who are studying at Henley, for example, or just smart people you've met. Right. um, How how do you think they – how they think matters in relation to what they know? Because what you know is something anybody can pick up. Now, Google's available everywhere. Absolutely. You know, it's it's not hard to find the material. Yeah, I mean, I, I think ultimately what I've so there are a couple of things. The one is that I think I'm attracted, I gravitate towards people who appreciate complexity as opposed to trying to oversimplify everything. Because you know there are quadrants of people, and and you know when you become a customer, you eat simplicity like that. That's what you do, right? That's your kind of job is to be highly opinionated, very lazy, and just consume because that's what markets like to feed you is mm-hmm. is to find out your opinion and then just give you what you want without you having to leave the couch. And it's a self fulfilling prophecy. Because once you get into that system, you start believing your own bullshit as well. Absolutely, exactly. So, so you form these heuristics, and then you find these sort of like mobs that you join, and then so, and so, so there are those people, and, and and whether it's my own life, like sort of eating properly, exercising, which I hate, but I do it. Yeah. Um, 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 uh, because it's kind of a, a regimen that keeps you kind of 
it's it's reflected in the way that you use your brain. Um, um, so I find the people who appreciate complexity, those who are not polarized, those who like to understand that there are many, many, uh, you know, um, constant values that may differ that are equally valid at the same time. Uh, and so if you talk to the maverick journalists or you hang out with, you know, you do this, you do this really well, like you, uh, and I think it's your appreciation for what, you know, perhaps we call intelligence, but it's, it's complexity because we're ultimately, we're just apes and, and we, mm. we, we're really good at patterns. That's if you boil it right down. Yep. So some apes are better at patterns and what we do is we look at lots of patterns and we distill it into a simpler pattern for people to understand. I think that's what good teaching is. Well, this is interesting too because I, I heard the best explanation the other day for why the market, the free market, is actually the greatest inve- invention in human history. Right. The free market and anyone who's involved in business or studying business or yeah. anything to do with business, anyone who wants to make money and who doesn't, frankly. Yeah. Those people need to acknowledge that the free market is a machine that everybody is unconsciously contributing to to determine the price of things. Yeah. And and if you've got – how many people are there now on earth? Seven billion or yeah. eight billion? Or over seven, yeah. It's over seven billion people who are, without even being aware of it, contributing to that free market. It, it, it is – and, in, and it's been going for years. It went before the internet. It was already yeah, working. Sure. If you look at an article that you buy on a shelf in a shop, right. you go, this thing's worth five rand. But I'm only prepared to pay three rand for it. Yes. They're going to have to at some point drop the price if enough people say five rand's too expensive. Yeah. And it finds its own level. And no government coercion is necessary or sure. Soviet Politburo commissions <laughs> who have to determine what the price of an apple is. Yes. And they did. They Look, I mean, they can to, try. <laughs> they used to have this, right? Yeah. They actually used to have committees that would say the price of wheat is X. The price of uh, a, 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 a raspberry pie <laughs> is X. <laughs> they had to decide this stuff. The price of a banana duct taped to a paper <laughs> is. $20,000. Like the market will <clears throat> allow for aberrations, but yeah. it will mostly keep everything within a certain band otherwise the stuff won't sell yeah and that's an incredible machine yeah and so even the art world is governed by a very small group of irrational human beings <laughs> that's what art collectors are they are way too passionate about what they collect for it to be real so this is why art is a very it's exactly the same thing and and when you talk about people being pattern seeking apes which mm. is what we are yeah sometimes those patterns are not easily Decipherable, absolutely. And then we sit there and we go, oh, <laughs> because we don't understand. And and a lot of politics and a lot of what we see on the internet now, thanks to this massive research business that everybody is a part of. Yeah, um, you can go online and you can ask a question and you can get pilloried or you can get yes. threatened or you can get hate speech or whatever it is. Yes, we can suddenly tap into the general irrationality of humanity. Or, if you're lucky, hit a strain of real gold where people yes. can help you figure something out. Yeah, you can actually tap into like a collective intelligence, which is fantastic. And that was never really available before. No. Not to the ordinary man on the street. Well, this is why old people are not my favorite, because they didn't have all the tools. And, you know, I had this conversation with my mum last night, actually. She's 73 and is insisting that the past is better. And, and so many, like, so much data will tell you that if you, like, for example, if you say that you're all about family values, which were better in the old days, okay, that's a lie. You were actually for, a, a generation that was harder on young people died sooner. They were awful. <laughs> well, 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 it wasn't called rape just because it was marriage. Exactly, exactly. I mean, let's be fair about this. Bingo. Men, you think men behave badly today? You have no idea. Like in the Middle Ages? Yeah. 
Do you oh, know what I mean? Right. I mean, so don't tell me about the old Family days. They were values. awful. Pure, yeah. good, good Christian values. <laughs> Once yeah. upon a time in yeah. your imagination. Apartheid. End of conversation. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Slavery. Let's keep looking. I heard the most interesting thing the other day, which comes from a UN, and the UN is not the most left of center, I mean, the most right of center organization no. we'll ever encounter. They, they discovered, upon mining the data, which is someone else's uh, buzzword. Right, of moment. course, yeah. Mine that data, big Mine data. It. So they've been looking at all the, the results of, of various surveys conducted all over the world. And the UN is quite good and methodical about this stuff. You know that world poverty was halved between tw- 2000 and 2012. Halved. Yeah. World poverty was halved. Yes. They reckon that the, uh, the chances are by 2030 there will be no one living below today's minimum wage by 2030. Yeah. yeah. Now, of course, that doesn't mean everybody's going to be hugely no. uh, successful and there's going to be an enormous glut of, of everything. That yes, you could everyone possibly. will be at the mall together. Yeah. yeah. But, but there will be a general reduction in the misery of yeah. abject poverty and, and to a degree that humanity just could never have, been, have predicted. We always thought that the cake was only so big mm. and that there were more and more people and so we would all get less and less of it. Turns out... That abundance is actually something we can make. Yeah. And abundance is something which is attainable. And somehow this is all coming through now in the in the numbers. Yeah. There's, there's a tremendously I mean, you could be happy about being alive now, or you could be ecstatic. Anything less is actually just ungrateful. A hundred percent. I don't know if you've read Hans Rosling's book, Factfulness. No, tell uh, me more. It's all of the latest data. Right. And, and it, it changes the conversation at the Briar. I can't go to Briars anymore because uh, all of the assumptions are wrong. You know, the rich are getting rich, therefore the poor must be getting poorer. Well, that's a stupid thing to say. It doesn't. They're not necessarily linked. Yes, there are a small number of rich people who are very, very rich. I understand that. But the poor, as you've just said, are are no longer as poor as they were. But it's usually people, and correct me if I'm wrong, usually people who are just resentful and bitter that they're not as rich as the rich people who talk about how (laughs) wealth is a problem. Yes. Wealth, what it does, and and people have to remember this too. This is about business. Someone will invent a product, and you remember those big TVs? Yes. Remember those ones that took up like – some people would buy them. They were thick, first of all. Yes, it was almost like a projector from behind. <laughs> it was a rear projection TV. Right. But they were huge. They were, yes. they were really, really enormous. They, they gave cost- your, your family leukemia as they watched them. <laughs> yeah. But they cost hundreds of thousands of rands. Yes. And there were people rich enough to buy them. Yep. And, and enough of those people bought them for the manufacturers to work out a better kind of technology, sell those things profitably, make enough money, put it back into research and development. Thin it down. And come out with those thin screen TVs that now look like a picture frame on your wall yeah. and give you much better quality pictures. Now, if the rich people of the 1980s and 90s who bought those shitty things yes. hadn't spent those hundreds of thousands of rands, we wouldn't have been able to develop the newer kinds of TVs, which we can yes. all afford now. We all enjoy, even the ones that wrap towards you now. And on Black Fridays, I mean, look at how everybody, even poor people, go and buy yeah. these TVs. Yeah, you can elbow someone in the face and get your own one. I mean, well, you've it's got to get one for New Year's. So you can this throw it out is, the window. But this is the marvel of modern technology of the market, the free market, and the fact that rich people do us all a lot of good yeah. by pissing away their money first. Absolutely. Blow it. Yeah. High margins. Yeah. R&D. I mean, it, God knows the smart drugs they aren't going to figure out based on really, really <laughs> dumb rich people needing to stay smart or to get smarter. Or stay alive longer. Do you do any, do you do any supplements or any of that stuff? You just said just now to keep your brain going. You need to do exercise even though you hate it. Yes. You need to eat right. Yeah. But do you do anything else? 
No, not really. Uh, I've I've read like quite a lot of Ben Goldacre. He's a great doctor who writes from the UK about <clears throat> you know the real truth about stuff. And 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 the the truth is there are very few clinical trials on any of these things. It's a very big market called nutraceuticals, yeah. and it's brilliant because it means you can sell people stuff without any certification. It's, it's like a dietitian. They they have no qualification whatsoever. I I, I know people who do. Um you know, these the supposed smart drugs, and some right. of them are just because they have ADHD. Do you mean like Adderall? Or <laughs> Adderall, I mean, I mean things like Concerta, Modafinil, um, right. Adderall, um, what's the other one? Uh, Provigil. Is Lyrica one? I don't know if I it is. I don't know about Lyrica, but okay. I've, you know, I'm, I'm paying attention to this stuff because right, right. there might Written. be something in it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I'm just so terrified that... I might be dumber than I could. I might be smarter than I could be if I just discovered some yeah. unbelievable material, right. or well, or I read something that changed my outlook. Or yeah, you, I mean, you don't do. I know that they're all quite stimulants. I mean, I did try cocaine for a very long time. <laughs> and you tried it for a long time. Yeah, I did. I did, and and uh, it was really unsuccessful. I th- I thought I was doing really well. Like I thought my conversation was blistering. I thought it was genius, and it didn't addle you. No, well, you know, I just. It really, I think Bill Cosby controversially was uh, once quoted as, um, as saying, you know, um, wh- why do you take cocaine? Is it, well, it amplifies my personality. And he's like, well, what happens if you're an asshole? You know, um, <laughs> that's exactly right. Did you, did you find it was uh, difficult to just leave that sort of life behind? Yeah, yeah. Look, it did take quite a long stay in a very special hotel with fairly specialized security. Um, um, <laughs> Cost a lot of money too. Yeah, but I, I'm glad I went through it and, and, uh, and I think it was a fire that uh, was quite tempering. Uh, it's quite a good, uh, I think it was Blake who said that excess leads to wisdom. Um, um, it's a brilliant thing to be a junkie because you, you become a master planner and you, you develop fairly serious resilience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but you also see the world. I mean, I made, I made a lot of really famous executives in the underbelly um, mm. actually um, you know and just because I didn't have chinos well in um, cities like New York they say the entire economy is actually powered by people on Adderall and right. cocaine and all these it things it seems to be I mean the, maybe so, that's the future is the sort of synthesis well, of human and chemical I don't if know we, if we can find a way for it to first do no harm then maybe that would be amazing because yeah. there is always I, I was actually diagnosed with ADHD oh I thought diagnosed with cocaine okay. <laughs> I was going to say who's your doctor I've <laughs> got um. <laughs> a six month repeat prescription <laughs> um, and I was put on Concerta and I lasted a week the anxiety that it created was immense. I, just someone hearing someone breathe, I wanted to punch their face in. Yeah, wow. it was extreme. You're, and, and I don't know how aggressive. Yeah. So aggressive. I don't know how people actually survive on it for such Did I know long you at periods. That time? No, it was actually it was very recently. Well, um, I did know you, but we weren't. You were known. You weren't assaulted, were you, at any point? No. You've known me all, all along. She stayed away from me. That, lucky me. <laughs> but it was literally a week. It was while my mum was in hospital. Okay. And oh, that I, may not have had anything to do with your feeling <laughs> otherwise. Um, <laughs> perhaps. It all, it all added together. But I don't know how people survive on this stuff for, for, for years. We're, we're, we're going down another path here, and we can maybe pick this up later. But, John, mm. before we, we run out of time, the... Yeah. The, the performing John Flismus yes. is still a thing. You still occasionally will do this, but it, it's almost as if you've evolved into another kind of of creature. You, you know, it used to be your whole life yeah. to be up on stage, making people laugh, doing these uh, really edgy things. Um, it's, it's interesting that in some ways this is a John Flismus that the old one would have hated. Yeah, 100%. And so, maybe now the new John Flismus looks down on the old one. Yeah, I, in fact, I do. I feel, I feel a bit, um, 
I feel like my previous work was uh, very destructive, and and um, um, because ultimately what happens is it, back to my thing that people are stupid. Um, I and I really mean that, and I, and I, I, it's not a judgment call. It's like it's a call to like, come on, dudes, you've got privilege, you've got access to. Information. Why are you still saying the same old rubbish? And I think comics do that. You know, we tend to find the lowest common denominator, and we play to that. And I've got old YouTube clips of my own that I'm really ashamed of. Actually, it's just nothing more than like racial stereotypes dressed up as jokes, and and and. Um, so, so I guess I do look down a little bit on it, but um, but um, again, it was good training mm. for where I want to go now. And, and I mean, I did lots of good stuff. I mean, I think, but uh, for me, I'm a bit of an extremist. I have to switch off that tap before I can really commit to this. So, so you won't find me in a comedy club. I won't do a corporate booking for comedy. I won't. I've, I've left the management company. I've sold my shares and that. Like I've r- literally switched off that tap. It's amazing. Um, a lot know. of people would have said, but that's a that's a great income stream. If you no, no, it really is. Shut down that in- income stream. What an idiot you are! Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so I have a new, um, I have a new set of stuff which actually launched today, and um, so Tell my me. website went live today. So, so johnblissmas.com is finally up and running. All right, and and um, it's and look. yeah, there's a bunch of stuff there which is uh, really cool, and um, I have already started doing stuff. I teach a lot at Henley. Um, um, I'm there quite often. In fact, I'm going there now um, um, to do a workshop for my next subject. I think um, you are excited by being around really, really smart people. And it's almost like you get access to your own personal, personalized university here. You, uh, yeah. you get to meet the people who are talking about the things you're most interested in. And you get to spend time with them. And you get to relay those impressive thoughts onto other young, inquiring, curious minds. Yeah. And that turns you on way more than getting applause. Yeah, it's it, literally it's a campus where I can, you know, I it's can. Brilliant. Things can happen, and this uh, is fantastic. I, I feel sorry for the other comedians. <laughs> <laughs> Not that so, I've grouped you with them, but sure. Socrates. Uh, this is a, a, it's maybe apocryphal. Who knows? But Socrates used to leave his lectures if they applauded. He used to yeah. actually walk out because he he considered that at that point. Their reptile brain kicked in and they were yeah, <laughs> enjoying right, right, it too right. much instead of thinking. Yeah, I always had that line. If you clap, if you clap, I'm leaving because I, I will not be approved of. I, I don't want your approval. That's, <laughs> that's a tremendous position that's to that's take that's from so far away, uh, the, the start of, of any comics career when mm. your purpose is to get the laughter. 100%. And then mm. towards the end where you actually eschew it. Yeah. You don't uh, want it. No, I don't want it. Like, uh, you know, listen, learn. I mean, the lectures can be funny. We have a lot of, I mean, I have a lot of, you know, comedy in, in, in the lectures, but I have to get to a point You're in a the funny day. Guy. You're not going to be able to switch that off. Yeah, yeah. And that's a cool human, you know, sure. why would you live without humor? Yeah. But but um, I use that quite a lot. So I work with like a, a lot of executives and, and uh, it was funny. The other day I, I worked with a group of 10 people and within about 12 minutes, they were six of them were crying. And, and so I was like, wow. What did you do? This really has, well, the truth is it's a lot easier to make bankers cry today than it, than it is to make them laugh. Did you at any stage, and this is a difficult thing to admit maybe, but I've felt like this. Did you ever have an imposter syndrome where you were All sitting in a lecture hall and you were like, what the hell am I doing talking about? this dude i have it all the time and and my last show in cape town at the grand west arena as a comic after 25 years i had the same twinge as i walked on stage going i think i've been bullshitting everyone <laughs> so, I, so so multiply that by 10 with this Jeez. new path because i was in germany doing a master class for a bunch of people in in munich and with with uh, henley global and and uh i had the guy cleaning up the venue like he was doing the cups and putting out the chairs had a phd 
I'm still finishing my MBA, so so I still have a way to go before I get to a DBA, and 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 uh, I felt so like I shouldn't be here, and uh, and yet the the I had a lecture spot in this two day period. I hosted it, but I had a lecture spot, and I kept. Just before me, there was a guy from a robotics company in um, somewhere really sexy in San Francisco or something, and and I thought like I I, I don't have any I have nothing to offer here. That's anyway, so bizarre because sure. people like me look at you and we see you so comfortable on stage. You're so good at dealing with an audience, whether it's in intelligent ways or in funny ways or both. And I I would imagine you go up there with the best feeling in the world you're like i'm gonna wipe the floor with these business fuckers (laughs) and yet here it is like you're admitting there's this 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 imposter syndrome that comes in what do you talk to people about because you've been in singapore you've been in germany you've been all over the world doing this stuff Mm. it must be very fulfilling but what exactly is it you're telling people? So um, we look at what's happening in that business region, and we sort of uh, Barry Fonsell and I um, do this. So Barry's, I mean, you know, was one of the country's best drummers, but right. he's just he just finished his MBA. Barry used to be in Johnny Clegg's band. That's correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Barry's got a job now developing new business for Henley globally, and and um, um, it's amazing. So we look at what's going look at on these in that creative region. People who are going mm. into business. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of survey that region, and we find out what they want to talk about. So in Munich, it was all about. The, the, the general theme for us is always championing humanity. So whatever technology is going on, we look at the human aspect and, that, and that's kind of we want to enhance humans so that when they get into the sort of um, integrated with technology that we bring the very best of human thinking into the kind of machine learning. Um, so in Germany, it was called augmented leadership. So we spoke about how you would be a better leader with tech rather than against it or, you know, as opposed to it. Um, when we were in Nigeria, we spoke about the side hustle because that's a very real thing in a lot of employment situations. Um, <clears throat> and um, we're going to uh, Trinidad in, I think, February. Um, there we're talking about distributed leadership. So, so it's, you know, how you break up leadership into various pieces and then you allow your team and technology to kind of run this platform of leadership. So, and there's, you know, you, you run a feedback loop so that the machine learning is improving the human leadership qualities all the time. So, so it just depends on, on what the need of the, let's call it the client country is. For, and um, for you then it's also good because it's constantly stimulating and you're not going to get bored doing the same course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again. Well, you know, I'm sure you've seen millions of business speakers who just download stuff from the internet and they slash together a deck and mm. then kind of present the same crap for a long time. Horrible. It's often outdated. Um, um, and with machine learning, you, you've really got to be updating all the time. Like you've quoted some heuristics that most people don't even know about poor people. So, so we no. kind of try and feed that in all the time. You know, and, and then I do it here in the classroom. So I teach South African executives why most of what they believe is wrong. Because sure. they inherited from old apes who didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And those patterns may be broken. 100%. Break patterns all the time. Right. And, and, and I think that there's, a, there's an appetite for really interesting aha moments yeah. that I'm sure your lectures would provide because you're coming at it from somewhere that they don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just explaining to a South African man um, that if you took away his gender – like right now, would it affect his life? And you've destroyed him, but there's no change. Yeah, that's the most it, bizarre it's thing. It's such a simple concept because, because then you can go into maleness, femaleness, uh, you know, neutrality. You can go into blackness, whiteness, gayness, straightness. It doesn't matter. Any, yeah. any binary now becomes a fluid continuum. And just that makes you more intelligent. And you can get that done in a day, but, but, but they've got to be willing. But you've got to break down some. So that's why bankers cry. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm thrilled that you're making bankers cry. That, that is a, a huge achievement. That's getting one back for the good guys. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, it's terrific to actually um, to, to mine some really interesting information out of you for a change instead of us just talking nonsense about what's going on in the world. <laughs> but um, I'm sure that this is for a, a number of people who are looking for the next evolution in their own business, in their own career, in their own life. Keep learning, right? The, Absolutely. The, the mark of someone intelligent actually is how much they want to know, not how much they know. Ex- that is exactly right. <laughs> Very nice. Good to see you. Good Thanks luck. for the, having me, The guys. website is live, johnflismus.com. Uh, you can go and have a look at that, and uh, you can get in to all of the stuff that John's been talking about here. There's also going to be a series of these for you to listen to, a podcast series on uh, Henley Business School and some of the more interesting people that we've – and believe me, there are – a ton of them, but we've managed to find just a few who we think might open up your eyes and your mind to a world of learning that you may not have considered up to now. Meet the Mind, brought to you by Henley Business School, only on cliffcentral.com.